You know, we always want to plan for success. Success doesn't come unless you plan for it. And so starting today, going through into the new year, I'm doing a series entitled Planning for Success. And the first step to planning for success is to be able to hear, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If we're going to be successful people, we want to be people that are led and drawn by the Spirit of God. Can I get an agreement? You know, in the wild, I, I don't know if you ever watch any of those nature programs. I love watching those nature programs. You got David Attenborough, who he, he's that English-sounding voice in the background telling you what's going on and uh, narrating all of the different video clips. And one of the things that really fascinates me is um, the mating dance or the mating call of some of the birds in the wild. And uh, they get out there, and they'll start singing, strutting their stuff, doing their thing. And sometimes they get rejected, and sometimes they get lucky. And uh, so I've put a video clip together uh, of just uh, three different birds uh, doing their thing, trying to woo, to draw, to call, to stir up the appetite of the one that they are pursuing so we're going to start our message this morning with the mating dance. <laughs> now, if you ever wondered where Michael Jackson got his moonwalk from, <laughs> there are a lot of things you can learn from nature. <laughs> and there's something we can learn from nature today. Thank you, musicians. I appreciate your help. Come on, give them a round of applause. They did a great job. The Spirit of God is always calling. This heart, the heart, the character of God, He longs for each and every one of us. And it is the very nature of God to constantly call us. But we don't always hear. We don't always see. Sometimes we hear and we don't respond. But as true as it is in, the na in nature, in the wild, for animals to call to each other because they have a longing for companionship. God's not lonely. The heavens are filled with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He loves you. He cares for you. And you know, God will do a dance to woo you. He'll do a call to draw you. Jesus said, I stand at the door of people's hearts and I knock all the time. The Spirit of God will draw us. In the Bible, we have a book called The Songs of Solomon. It's a love story. It's poetic. It's musical. It's rhythmic. And sometimes people read it and, and actually wonder and question, well, why, why is a book like this in there? It's the love dance, the love call between Solomon and the Shulamite woman. And you see this interaction between this young woman who's being wooed by Solomon. 
and her response and the young maidens around her as they attend to her um, and uh, their response at this love dance going on back and forth. One of the interesting things is she's referenced as the Shulamite woman in Solomon chapter 6, verse uh, 13, I think. It's the only time she's ever referenced. That's right, verse 13, the Shulamite woman. But what's really interesting is that there is no account of Shulamite people. And so theologians debate, well, who is she? Where is she from? Who are the Shunammite people? And um, largely, they've decided it's, it's just left open, an unknown people group. And I believe that that is distinctly purposeful because God hasn't called one type of person. He has called every person. Amen. And so I want to read just one passage uh, from the Songs of Solomon, and starting with chapter 1, verse 4. The young maiden says to the suitor, draw me, and I will run after thee, or we will run after you, her together with her handmaidens. And at times in this year, song, they, they answer, the handmaidens answer, and at times it's just the Shulamite woman who is answering. And she says, draw me. And we will run after you. The king hath brought me into his chambers, and we will be glad and rejoice in you. And we will remember your love more than wine, and the uprightness, the integrity, the morality of your love. The Spirit of God is often drawing us, wooing us, calling us. But it's also up to us to hear and to want to respond. You see, <clears throat> Jesus made an interesting uh, statement when he was with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he was getting ready to come before his accusers. He knew what was waiting for him. He knew that crucifixion was just around the corner. His disciples didn't understand this. They were really expecting a king who would come and uh, revalidate the nation of Israel, take the throne of David, overthrow the Roman Empire, and make history, you know, turn Israel into a great nation. Jesus Christ came to call people from every nation, from every culture, from every walk of life. And so he wasn't fitting their their understanding or their interpretation of messianic uh, prophetic scriptures. God has come to validate and to exalt, to promote, to heal, to restore anyone who will respond and hear the call of his spirit. And so Jesus knew he was about to face his crucifixion an absolute necessity. He came to pay the price. He came to be the ransom. He came to give up his life. He came to face the forces of darkness, that spiritual entity that exists in the world today. And many of you have had experiences from the dark side. I don't have to prove the dark side to you. You've experienced it. They will come and intrude in the middle of the night. They will come and intrude 
in the middle of your dreams. They will come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And many of us have experienced things that cannot be explained from a natural perspective. We've experienced, to some degree, the hand of darkness. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free and to give us life and to bring us into the fullness that God had always intended for humanity prior to its fall. God has an unwavering, unchanging plan, and even though we blew it, even though man fell, even though we made a mess of things, the good news is that God can always restore, God can always reactivate, God can always bring love, and God can always bring healing to whatever's broken. Now, how many of you know, in this world, there's a lot of things that are broken? There are a lot of good things, but there are a lot of things that are broken. And so here's Jesus on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. Good guys. They believed in him. They followed him. They moved in the power of the Spirit at times. They'd lay hands on the sick and see miraculous things take place. But by and large, they were still very much people who were governed by their flesh, their humanity. And so Jesus, knowing what was up ahead, tells them, he bids them, he woos them, come, I want you to pray with me in this garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he distances himself to pray alone, to have some solitude time with God. And these guys start to pray, but they fall asleep. And so Jesus comes back to them, and he woos him. He says, come on, guys. I want you to watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. He wakes them up. He stirs them. And he goes off to pray again. And he comes back to find them asleep. And he makes a, an interesting statement. Couldn't you pray just one hour? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a very important principle. In the Bible, whenever it talks about the Spirit of God, it's always a capital S. When it speaks about the Spirit of man, it's a little s. Jesus was addressing the fact that in our spirit, every one of us has a spirit. And the spirit that God has put inside of us wants to know him. And the spirit that is inside of us is always willing to hear God and wanting to know God. Here's the problem. The flesh is weak. And what it means is, you know, we think of what is weak. It's weak to the things of the spirit, but it is strong to the things of the world. In other words, you are a, <laughs> you are a trinity, just like God is a trinity. You have a spirit. You have a soul made up of your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and you have a fleshly body. And sometimes we do things because there's the urge from our fleshly body. Like when we drive past a Dunkin' Donuts and we just got to have one of those glazed donuts, you know. And so we slam on the brakes, five cars behind us all crash and stack up, and we walk into the donut shop, we're having a good time. We, we listen to the desires of our flesh, and there are so many different things that we can listen to when it comes to the desires of our flesh. We can listen to our soul. 
and someone presses a sore spot in our emotions and there's a knee-jerk reaction, you know, and all of a sudden we become uh, a ninja expert and uh, our leg kicks out emotionally and we just thump them. We listen to our soul. Our soul wants to throw fit. Our soul wants to be selfish or spiteful. The spirit of man is designed to want God. But sometimes we hear so loudly from the flesh and from the realm of the soul that it drowns out even the hearing ability of our spirit. You see, <clears throat> those birds will do their dance. They'll strut their stuff. They'll sing. They'll call. The bowerbird will fill his nest with blue objects to attract a mate. God is always calling to attract us. He's calling to woo us. But the problem is, just like Jesus' disciples in the garden, they were so full of their natural lives that it drowned out all the elements of their spirit. You see, the prophets in the Old Testament, Jesus coined them many times. He says, you have spiritual ears, but you don't hear. You have eyes, but you don't see. And the dilemma we see coming to a, a key point of conflict in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is about to be crucified, and his most faithful friends, his loyal devotees, couldn't see past the natural. They were still dominated by their mind of reason, by their emotions, by the physical fatigue of their natural bodies. And they couldn't sense that spiritually something's about to break, something's about to happen. In reality, the greatest event in all of humankind was about to take place. God became flesh and he was willing to go solo against all the forces of darkness purely because he had a love that was lost and he wanted to redeem his creation back to himself. And instead of the disciples being full of the Holy Ghost and cheering him on and having a Holy Ghost prayer meeting, they're falling asleep. The Spirit is willing, but too often we are overpowered by the inoculating sense of the flesh and we don't hear from the Spirit. Here in the Songs of Solomon, the young woman says, draw me and I will run after you. It is very important that we understand that God is always calling and our spirit is willing to hear, but sometimes we don't hear and we can't say, I will run after you because our flesh has deafened the sound of the Spirit. Are you with me? I want to take you to another passage, and that's in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is just starting out his ministry. I just gave you an illustration from the end of his ministry before he's about to go into crucifixion. And his own disciples, he, he makes this comment, the spirit is willing. God designed the spirit of man to be willing, but it's our outer life. Our flesh that gets caught up with the world, caught up. And nothing wrong with the world when you keep it in its right boundaries. Amen. 
But the problem is that the things of this world want to own us. They want to control us. They want to possess us. And the things of the world never woo us into the presence of God. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, the things of the world will always somehow woo us away from the heart of God. You know why I need to be wooed to the heart of God? Because when I'm closest to Him, I'm at my best. The best me comes out when I'm close with Him. And uh, in my foolishness, when I'm not as close to Him, I get glimpses of the ugly me. I like the me who comes out when I'm spending time with God. It's the best, the best me, the best us. And if we're going to plan for success, the first thing we have to plan is to be able to hear the things that are on another frequency. To see the things that the natural eye doesn't see. Because God is calling. The question is, are we hearing, are we seeing, and will we run after him? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is just starting his ministry, starting with verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, capital S, into the wilderness. Two things I want you to see. Number one, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Though it's the second point in the verse, it's the first point. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Why was he led by the Spirit? Number two, because he was full of the Spirit. We get so full of our natural goals. We get so full of our ambition. We get so full of the things in this world that call to us. And they do call to us. Our ear is attuned to the things of the world. The success that comes from God will enable us to have an ear that's attuned to him. And we will see the world and be successful in the world in a way so that the world is never dominating us, never controlling us, never manipulating us, and never strangling us. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, Paul makes a statement. He says, as many, are as, as many that are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. If we're going to plan for success, I want to tell you that the best success, the most lasting success, the success that doesn't leave you empty feeling in the morning is the success of knowing God and being in right relationship with God and letting God's blessing come out through your life, in your life, and for your life. Amen. I'm absolutely convinced God wants to prosper you. I'm absolutely convinced God wants to bless your marriage. I'm absolutely convinced God wants to protect you with his, 
with his hands, with his arms. He wants to surround you. I'm absolutely convinced that God's heart is for us and not against us. And he wants to give us a success that doesn't manipulate us and doesn't control us and doesn't dictate who we have to become. See, I, I, I love the God who loves me when I was still ugly because he saw the worth that was in me as I was. The world will often love us when we are what they need us to be. And sometimes Christians can be like that too. But the more we're like God, the more we allow him to change us. We start to see in people, they're good and they're ugly, and we love them regardless. You see, that's what I mean when I say the closer I get to God, the best me comes out. Because the closer I get to God, the more I can appreciate everybody. The closer I get to God, the more gracious I become. The closer I get to God, the more understanding and forgiving I am of everyone else because I remember that the only reason why I'm close to him is because he was gracious and forgiving to me. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the Jordan, and he was led into a time of fasting. You know, we could read this and say, dude, what's so cool about that? I don't want to have to go without food. I mean, look at me. Do I look like a man who likes going without food? <laughs> I was talking with someone the other day, and I had come up with a recipe in my head. And they said, how do you come up with these ideas for food? For example, I've, I've just started making some of my own pasta. And so... <clears throat> I've, uh, I'm working on ravioli, so I made some ravioli with stuffed oysters, smoked oysters. Yeah. And uh, I'm cooking up some salmon and uh, turning it into a paste, and I'm going to put the salmon in the uh, ravioli, and then I'm going to cook up some shrimp and garlic butter, and then turn that into a paste and put that into the ravioli, and I'm going to take an Alfredo cream sauce with the smoked oyster oil and mix it in the sauce so that there's a faint hint of that smoked flavor through the sauce. And I'm going to throw all those ravioli together and I'm going to have me a good time. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the God in me. He's a creator. It's also the Italian in me. <laughs> Italians think through their stomach. <laughs> I got no idea where I was going. <laughs> I've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Food got me again. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> How many of you are hungry? <laughs> How many of you are Hungry for God. The Spirit of God is always drawing. But we could be sidetracked by a lot of things. So the Spirit draws Jesus into the wilderness to fast, and that's where I had started. Who the heck wants to fast when you could make ravioli? <laughs> 
You see, sometimes God calls us into stuff that doesn't seem exciting or cool. I had uh, Dakota over, made him and John some uh, lasagna. Now I got Dakota asking me for a second invite <laughs> for more of the lasagna. Was it good? It's Sicilian lasagna. It was good. Sometimes God calls us into things, into our natural mind, think, who the heck wants to fast? Who the heck wants to pray? But what's really interesting about this passage of Scripture is the first two verses, Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, or full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Sometimes God is calling us to be alone. Sometimes he's calling us to get to a solitary place. Sometimes he's trying to call us to a place where the world can't be heard as loudly, where it doesn't have as much impact on us, where it doesn't have the ability to reach into the darker things inside of us and stir them up and pull us on a sidetrack. You know, it's interesting. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to fast, but the spirit of darkness went there too. And he went there to sidetrack Jesus from the mission the Holy Spirit was on. You see, the Spirit of God wants to draw you not only to God's heart, he wants to draw you into God's perfect plan, God's best. God has a destiny for you. And we have to be able to hear it. So here's Jesus in the wilderness because the Spirit of God is drawing him to something better around the corner. We don't know what it is until we read the whole story. Sometimes the Spirit of God is drawing us for a moment to a place of solitude, for a moment to a place of quietness, for a moment to a place where we don't necessarily want to be. But if we pass the test... If we hear from the Spirit and don't give in to the flesh, there is something better around the corner. God always has something better. Can I get an agreement here this morning? Amen. <clears throat> and so the enemy knowing. You see, there's one advantage the enemy has. He's spirit. He doesn't have a fleshly body. And so he sees and hears in the spirit. And when God starts to call you, the Satan, hear, Satan hears it and he sees it. And he'll try to call you too. When the spirit of God starts to stir something up inside of you, he'll start to, the enemy will start to set up roadblocks in your mind, in your emotions. He'll give you all the reasons why you should not respond. And so as Jesus goes out into the wilderness to have some time, him and God, Satan goes out there too. And three times he intercepts Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit led him to fast, and the devil says, if you're God, I'm going to deal with your ego here. If you're God, come on, bite. I want you to bite. If you're really God, you could turn this stone into bread. What was the whole purpose? The Spirit of God led him to fast, and the enemy didn't want him to fast. Don't obey the Spirit of God. Obey, respond, bite. Take the bait. I'm taunting your ego. Are you God? I'm taunting your self-will. Come on, eat. I'm taunting your flesh. Let's get off of God's 
call. Let's get off of God's agenda and let's get sidetracked here for a moment. And Jesus says, and doesn't live by bread alone. He really lives by hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. And so what we see is event after event, and I'm not going to go through the whole temptation, but event after event, the enemy's trying to pull at the inner urges inside of Jesus to take him away from a life of the Spirit. And that's the whole key. Because if you get so full of a life of the world, you will never operate from the Spirit. You won't see from the Spirit. You won't hear from the Spirit. You won't be able to activate supernatural spiritual things. I believe that God is a God of the supernatural and nothing about God is ordinary. I believe that the miracles that we talk about and the miracles that we've seen there are more than what we have experienced and we need to push in to the things of the God, learn to hear from the Spirit so that we will be full of the Spirit and do supernatural things as if they come naturally. The beautiful thing is that this story of the temptation. It was a call to fast. It was a call to deny your flesh. It was a call to separate from the social activity of your friends. Get off of Facebook. Get alone with me. Come on, out in the wilderness. Jesus, come follow me. There's no internet here. There's no Netflix here. Some quiet time. You and God. Because when we respond to the drawing, the wooing, the love call of the Spirit of God. As we respond from our spirit and we say no to what the flesh wants, to what the world is calling, we start to grow in spirit. And our spirit starts to become dominant and we start to hear from the Spirit and see from the Spirit and think from the Spirit. You see, it's really important for the enemy to keep the sons of God living in the realm of their hurts, their unforgiveness, their bitterness, and their prejudice, their fears, their inferiorities. Because as long as we live from those realms, we will never live from the realm of the Spirit. And it's in the realm of the Spirit that we are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness and powerful for the world. We don't want to fall into the trap of being Christian enough so that we just get to heaven. We want to be God-filled enough so that we can take the whole world with us. Amen. Come on. Praise God. The interesting thing about Luke chapter 4 is after Jesus resisted every pull 
from the world, from the spirit of darkness. And he stayed true. He listened to the call of the Holy Ghost and he didn't get off target. He continued his fast. What I really, really love about this scripture, and Matt, maybe you can help me. When you come to the end of that temptation period, it says, and Jesus came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. You see, God wants to draw you to a quiet place with himself. God wants to draw you into relationship with himself because it's only when we come into him and are part of him that we can come out of him into our fullest destiny and the purpose that God designed us for. Everything else and anyone else will manipulate you for their own reasons. But no one will ever give you more freedom than God. It's the truth. It's the truth. If I were to hang up all my preaching, if I were to say, God, you know, I'm tired of doing this, God would keep loving me because of who I am. And whatever hurt, whatever discouragement, whatever bitterness would get me to a place that I would actually hang this up. He would keep loving me because of who I am and not because of what I can do for him. And how do I know that? Because I've been there. I hung up my preaching hat. I ran away from the ministry. got to a, a low point in my life where as I was driving out of the town where we had pioneered a church, built it up for 10 years or handed it over to someone else and I said God I'm done and I literally as I was driving to Queensland in Australia driving north <clears throat> to meet up with my family I literally spoke out loud and said God if you have anything else with my name on it, pass me by. Don't knock on my door. Give it to someone else. I'm not available anymore. Several years later, a lot of bitterness, a lot of hurt, a lot of frustration, running from God, I ended up moving to Tampa, totally, totally not remembering that some six years before, God said that one day I'd pioneer a church in Tampa. You see, I hung up all the God stuff and was barely walking with him. He didn't stop pursuing me. He didn't want me because of what I can do. He wanted me because of who I am, and he loves me. Amen. And I will never forget the day we're here in Tampa, here in Oldsmore, and I'm reminded, I see the book on the bookshelf of Florida, 
And I picked it up, and I'm reminded of six years earlier when God had shown me in this book that one day I'd pioneer a church in Tampa Bay. And two things overwhelmed me instantaneously. I mean, I consider myself reasonably intelligent. I have a very good memory. They say elephants have good memories, right? I have a fairly good memory. And yet I ran to the very city. I had no family or relatives here when God first called us. I moved to the very city that God had said, one day you're going to pioneer a church in Tampa. I was running from God, and I ran to ground zero. That's the honest truth, and there's a lot more detail to the story. But I was running from God, and I ran to the very place. I swore I was angry at God. I told him <laughs> I told him things I should never have told him. You know what I love about him? He's bigger than the chip on my shoulder. And the day he cornered me in my living room and he reminded me, two, two emotions, two awarenesses came over me. The first one was fear. How do you run from somebody who is that big? I mean, again, I, you don't know me. I consider myself reasonably intelligent. I ran to the very city that God said I would be in ministry in. And so this fear is all over me. How do you fight someone this big? But simultaneously, as this fear was on me, I was overwhelmed with a sense of his love. And the second awareness that literally possessed me was, God, why would you love me enough to give me another chance? I will build my life upon this foundation because his love is everlasting. If you're going to plan for success, then you need to plan to hear from the Spirit. Because while the Spirit of God might, for a moment, draw you into a place of solitude, it's only so that you could come out of that place full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. God's plan is... God's plan is for you, not against you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand. My worship team can come. Can I have the whole worship team? Thank you, guys. <clears throat>
about a week and a half ago, I came to the early morning prayer meeting, and uh, we call it early morning prayer meeting. It's really not that early. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and Pastor Jam was there, Pastor Carlos was there, Matt was there. Usually there's a lot more folk. It was just pretty much the three pastors and, and Matt. And I started to tell him, you know, I feel like God wants us to kick the new year off after the first week to go, call the church into a fast. And Pastor Jan said to me, well, I've already been telling the ladies we're going to start fasting in the new year. I felt like that's what God told me. And she, that's why she's the, the head of intercession, the pastor who heads up prayer departments in the church. And... Uh, then Pastor Carlos said, yeah, Pastor Jan and I were talking about it a couple of days ago, and we were talking about how we as a church, we, we just feel like we need to start the new year off with a fast. And I'm sitting there, <laughs> and I looked at Pastor Jan, and I said, I promise you, I did not discuss this with Pastor Carlos. And I looked at Pastor Carlos and said, I promise you, I did not discuss this with Pastor Jan. You know, some churches do this regularly. They start the year off with a fast. We don't. But I felt the Holy Spirit calling, wooing, drawing. And while fasting never sounds exciting in and of itself, I look forward to the end of the fast when I can have my ravioli. <laughs> but I also look forward to separating myself from everything else. And spending time just me and God. Listen, when you're full of the world, you will never hear from the Spirit. We need to hear from the Spirit. Because when we hear from the Spirit, we'll be full of God. Amen. Praise God. I want to invite the whole church to join us. I think it's January the 6th, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting to get closer to God, to shake off some of the dust. <sighs> but I am convinced that God confirmed by His Spirit that He's drawing us and He's calling us. And I'm excited because if the Spirit of God is drawing us into a fast, then God has something awesome about to happen. And so I'll talk more about that next week and prepare you. We have one more Sunday before we launch the, the, the 21 days of fasting. It'll start on the 6th of January. And we'll talk about different kinds of fasts, and I'll hand out sheets with uh, prayer goals for the 21 days. And then at the end of the month, we end just a couple of days before the ladies' retreat. So ladies, if you haven't signed up to go to this retreat, it is going to be back by 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I promise you it'll be awesome. But even more importantly than all of this, the most important question is, are you in a place where you can hear the Spirit of God calling. The birds who do those impressive dances designed in the image of the Creator. And if you could only see how much God postures Himself 
and positions himself and positions you so that he can have an encounter with you. That's how important you are to him. Not because of what you can do, but because he knew you before you were born. And he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. Amen. I want everyone to close their eyes right now. As we conclude this service, if the Spirit of God is calling you, if you need to say yes to living a life with Jesus, I want you to respond in just a moment. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, I want to tell you, the Spirit, your Spirit is willing. You might not hear it. You might not sense it. Because sometimes we're so full of the world. But the Spirit of God is willing and your Spirit is willing. And all we have to do is stop letting the world give us all the reasons why we shouldn't respond to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've asked Jesus in your heart years ago and you've walked away. Maybe you forgot what it felt like to be in his anointed presence. And maybe today has been a stark reminder of what it's like to be under that presence of God in worship. Then hear the call of the Spirit as he calls you back and he calls you home. Come on home. Come back in a relationship with the Father. While every eye is closed right now, if the Spirit of God is calling you, it's time to say yes to Jesus. It's time to respond from your spirit. It's time. It's time. It's time. While every eye is closed, I want you to raise your hand if that's you and say yes. Pray for me. I, w- I want to let Jesus Christ come into my heart and have his way come on right across this auditorium lift your hand right now if the spirit of God is calling you talking to you awesome thank you Jesus I thank you Father how many of you feel like God's calling you into a deeper walk with him for 2020 How many of you feel like God wants to just realign you and put you into order? Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Let me see your hand. Awesome. As we move forward, let's be people who learn to hear from the Spirit. Because when you start to hear from the Spirit, you will see from the Spirit and you will know from the Spirit. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. I want you very politely, very gently, very, we do this all the time, pretty much every Sunday, just very respectfully, turn to the person next to you, it could be your husband, could be your wife, could be, could be your, your neighbor, could be someone you know confidently is going to eternity with Christ. They know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want you to just just respectfully, respectfully, wisely, just turn to the person next to you and say, do you know Jesus? 
This is the single most important decision. And nothing will have more influence over your life and your destiny than this one question. Amen. Amen. I want everyone to lead in prayer, lead in prayer with me. And those of you who raised your hands, those of you who wanted to raise your hands, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Very simple, very childlike. Dear God, I'm hearing you. And I don't want to ignore you. Jesus Christ, I do need you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I welcome your spirit to live in my spirit and to lead me and to guide me. I thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. Live inside me and lead me forward from this moment. Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. And I thank you for loving me. I accept your plan and your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.